Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my giggly friend, Tracy. Aren't I always? <laughs> I'm here with my good friend, Amber, who makes me very giggly. It's your fault. It's not my fault. Just kidding. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. No maps, no charts, uncharted once again. And we are also live on Discord today. Katara. So we had just mentioned something about the movies. So there was a movie, suspected movie deal, with the same company that did the Billy Zane. Mmm. I didn't realize it was connected to that. Yeah, yeah. But supposedly they're going to do a set of three movies mm -hmm. dealing with the Wheel of Time and it will be all in the past. So I think breaking of the world type situation. That would make such a cool movie. Like you could you could set that up in like a trilogy, like Age of Legends Grandness, Age of Legends Breaking, Age of Legends, the beginning of the new world. You know what all I mean? of it. Yeah. Like I can see how that can be broken down to make it really compelling so that people want to come to the next movie and the next movie after that. And there's more than enough information to like pull together. There's too ideas. much information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, I mean, that is accurate. That is accurate. It's hard to imagine what they're actually going to use. I mean, right. There's. <gasps> Breaking of the World, Age of Legends. You just had a <gasps> eureka moment. What I, was it? Well, I was I was just thinking like, okay, so in the TV show, we have like that moment where we get the glimpse of the Age of Legends. What is it? Opening of episode eight? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that little snippet would have any influence at all on choices that movies regarding the age of legends might make yeah visually yes yeah but like plot wise no probably like, not just just the the key parts that are important yeah well i mean the tv show like there are a few like some would say very large changes and some would say it's not really a big deal yeah but the interactions between Luz Theron and Latra, Jose, mm -hmm. were a little bit different than I think, like, what, like, the books say. Mm -hmm. So, like, and it's just small things, like, how they speak to each other and, like, the names that they say. Like, she calls him the Dragon Reborn and people are like, he's not the Dragon Reborn. He's, he's one of the original, he's the original dragon. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... Is he? As time has gone and the wheel has spun, like, is he the original dragon? Yeah. Or has he been fighting millions of times already? So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But 
visually, like, I think that they've already established, like, a look Mm -hmm. for the Age of Legends. So Mm -hmm. it would be kind of jarring if... It was, like, drastically different. Yeah, yeah, if it was, like, I don't know, like, steampunk or something. (laughs) Like, they changed the whole style. Oh, God, I hope they don't do that. I think that's been done and overdone and should just be done. (laughs) (laughs) Done, done, done. All the duns. Tyler Tatara said maybe they can show the Ruidian parts and yeah. Ooh, that would be cool. That's, I mean, that's kind of on my list. I've got a few things that I wrote down that I want to talk about, but. That's definitely something, like, if we're going to do flashbacks, mm-hmm. I mean, those are flashbacks from within the books that I feel like are very necessary to the story. So not including that would be an interesting choice, Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. It's, it'll be interesting to see how they overlap in, like, style and story. Yeah, and from Rand's perspective, like, he goes, doesn't mm-hmm. he go further back in time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through each, like, scene. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's also kind of jarring to the reader mm-hmm. on that first read because you're like, wait, now what? Yes. Like, you, it's not completely understandable, like, as you're reading it. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to kind of, like, digest it. Go back and read it again. I know I had to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that it progresses from, like, this is the past, this is further past, this is further past, like, it just keeps jumping back Mm -hmm. and back. It doesn't, it's chronological, but it's backwards, so it feels really disconcerting as you're reading it, and, like, it's one of those sections in the book where, like, a bunch of names and stuff get thrown at you that don't necessarily have to stick for longer than, like, the section of the book, but, or, like, that those chapters but you have to know them for those chapters to make sense you know yeah yeah Mm -hmm. dear robert jordan (laughs) (laughs) that's what i love though that's what i love though is like that going back and seeing it again and well that's just i mean with the whole story in general we've got so many moments where there are a lot of things that we just get a little piece of it and Mm-hmm. You know, we can only theorize and speculate on, like, what the whole story was. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just someone like Cad Swain. Mm-hmm. Like, if we go back, she's one of the oldest Aes Sedai still alive, and we really know relatively nothing about her. Like, what was she doing this whole time? We see her in New Spring, mm-hmm. and she's out and about making things happen, But we don't really know, based on just New Spring, what her intentions were at the time and what she really knew. Mm -hmm. Mm. So she's one of those characters that I'm very curious about. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, like, how cool little flashbacks of, like, a Cat Swain story would be. Can we just have, like, a Cat Swain spinoff? There's so many (laughs) spinoffs. That would just be really fun. The Varen spinoff, the Laris spinoff, the Talmanes spinoff. Mm-hmm. So many. There's, I mean, there's many characters like that where flashback scenes would be really, <gasps> seven really Baldwer? interesting. He would yeah. be good. Yes. Wouldn't you? If we got a seven Baldwer in the TV show, Oof. ugh. 
I would love that. I will die I if they make that. him really attractive, though. They need to stop doing that. <laughs> it's just getting unrealistic <laughs> at this point. Everyone is too beautiful. It's true. Like, I have a very, I have a very clear image in my head of what Seven Baller looks like. My head is Willem Dafoe. (gasps) You've probably told me that before, and I've probably had the same reaction. (laughs) I love him so much. Ooh, that would be fun. I don't really have, like, an actor in mind for him, just, like, the the look of him. Like, just kind of small and... A little unassuming, but something kind of suspicious. Yeah, and a a little mildly charismatic... Like, quietly charismatic. Like, Seven Mm Baller gets all of this information, and the only way you do that is by, like, either charming or threatening people. And I think because of, like, his stature and demeanor and everything, he's more of, like, that talk someone into being on his side as opposed to beating them up to be on their side. Well, I think he's he's just so unassuming Mm -hmm. that people don't really – you know, like they see through him. Like mm-hmm. it's like somebody's not even there and he's able to kind of just overhear and take in what the room is doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's just a humble secretary. Yeah. Yeah. He would be a fun flashback backstory to get. There's one that mm. I'm like one character in particular that I'm very drawn to in terms of like what a flashback for them would look like. Oh, Mm. And it would be Rodel Iteralda. <gasps> the wolf. The wolf. <laughs> yeah. The wolf has a plan. The wolf <sighs> has a plan. He's introduced so quickly, and mm-hmm. we're like, here's this guy. He's like a warfare expert, guerrilla fighting tactician. No one's better than him. Mm-hmm. And before him and the Lord Dragon meet up. Like, what is he doing in Terabon and Almuth Plain and these battles that he's having? And when I think of flashbacks, I'm thinking of something kind of like the Loghain flashback on the TV show where it shows him kind of like running through like all of these soldiers in Giladon. Mm-hmm. But with Rodal Iteralda, He's not using the one power or anything. He's just Mm -mm. a regular guy. Yeah. He's using his experience and his knowledge. Yeah. His knowledge is what's so deadly about him. And his reputation. Mm -hmm. You know, like he has an intimidating reputation. And I think the fact that that's made made aware uh, as a part of his character in his early like introductions because like you said he does get kind of thrown in towards the end and it's like this guy but like the quick information that gets given to you you're like this guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's well done he's a well done character i really like he's just i mean i think too like he's just someone that i feel like we don't get enough of agreed and he's so important to the story towards Mm -hmm. the end where I don't know. He's a favorite. I don't want to say minor character because he's not really that minor. Mm-hmm. But in like the grand terms of the story, he is a minor character. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he is the only 
tactician military viewpoint we get that touches on past experiences that he's been through in almost a a battle PTSD kind of way and that's just not really touched on very often in the book that there's trauma associated with the things that are happening around them and I think that's why that part stood out to me so much was it felt so real like battle everything that happens in Maradon like breaks him down right and understandably so like he feels his responsibility deeply he feels the challenge that he's facing and it's just oh yes okay I'm down with that or even like a even if we're going like a little bit before his time as a battle commander mm-hmm. like mm. what what is his story like what is his background where did it happen that he became the legend that he is? Like, what was the moment where people were like, him? Like, he's one of the five great captains. Mm -hmm. But what made him that? Like, what is Mm -hmm. his origin story? When did people start realizing how brilliant he is? That would be so cool. That would be, like, a fun one. But two, with Rodal Aitaralda... Again, like, I don't think that it's so necessary to the plot of the story to show something like that. It's just a personal want, you know? Like, I'm not saying they should do this, but if they did do this, I would be on the edge of my seat cheering, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the other thing that, like, that makes me think of is, do we have any indication as to why the five great captains are the five great captains i feel like the background we get the most of might be pedrin nial from the white cloaks but okay like i'm trying to think like gareth brine what do we know that he's done that has given him this reputation like what battles has Andor faced? Was he part of the the battles against the Aiel when they came over the... Well, would that... I mean, maybe he would have been. He's been... Considering his age, I would say probably yes. Mm-hmm. And Andor has... Ha- they have, like, the biggest military, you know, in the Westlands for the most part. And I remember saying some, I think it was Tom alluding to like how long he's been there. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. mean, all of the Tracon mm-hmm. kids know him and remember him from like their childhood. So he's not like new in that aspect. But I mm-hmm. think too, like Davram Bashir, like he's one that's mm-hmm. mainly, I want to say we have the most time with of the five mm-hmm. great captains, maybe just because of how connected he is to mm-hmm. our main characters. Yeah, I would but say... But any we- of the five great captains, like, more background info, like, flashbacks to them, like, cutting their teeth, I guess, mm-hmm. in the world and becoming the legends that they are. Yeah, I like that. Well, and with you saying, like, Bashir and Aitaralda, I'm thinking about the formation of the Borderlands like how they became mm-hmm. the nations that they became would be really cool to see. But that might be, like, I don't know if that's something that the show should address. 
Like that feels like for me that might be like more of a book thing maybe. Mhm. Like it's a big concept. I don't know if that could be done in like a quick flashback kind of way. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how quick like that little Logan flashback or even the T grain flashback was and it was like mm-hmm. minutes. And I'm like, how do you how do you put that much information into such a short amount of like yeah. visual? Yep, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I mean, you can give me all the T grain flashbacks. I'll take them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when I brought this up yesterday, you're like be prepared. Right. Many, many T grain topics. And I wasn't I wasn't even the first one to mention her. <laughs> but yes. I mean I was giving you a gateway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and here I am. I think what I like so much about that tea grain backstory is like the little way that it's woven through and there are different periods of what she goes through that would make really striking scenes if they were filmed properly like how did Guitara approach her to talk about the fact that she needed to give up her position as the daughter heir of Andor like what did that little discussion look like was it whispered in a in a hallway was it like come mm-hmm. to my room I have something important to tell you and I'm an I said I like what was it how did that go down what did it look Ooh. like for her to travel away from Andor with like I mean we see how Elaine Nothing. reacts yeah like when Elaine is put into positions where like little things are you know like the big thing if you will like, you can't have 16 dresses Elaine you can't take a bath every mm-hmm. five minutes you're not in your mother's palace anymore like that gets said to Elaine frequently so like thinking about this princess who's like you have to go to the Aiel Waste and become a maiden of the spear like, could you ask a young woman to do anything more terrifying? And she did it. I don't I don't know. I feel like Elaine is pretty fearless. Yes. So if, you know, the prophecy was like, Elaine, you have to go do this. It's super dangerous. She would be like, no sweat. Got it. On my way. Okay, <laughs> you know? good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, maybe Tigraine was like, that's all I needed. I didn't want to be queen anyway. Yeah. Okay. I think where what I'm thinking the hesitation would probably be in is like, and this is absolutely assumption on what kind of character Tigraine would be, but like that she would feel her need to stay as like the daughter heir of Andor to prevent a war of succession and blah, blah, blah for her people. Mm-hmm. Although that just never stops Elaine either. You know, like she's like, yeah, I'm the heir to Andor, but <laughs> kind of want to do this. Yeah, it's just wild. I'm thinking a little bit about what you said about T. Grain and like that moment where she walks away. Mm-hmm. There is also another person's point of view where we could show that that I would consider it a flashback is if we got it from. Galad's point of view of his mother like Mm. having this like tender goodbye that's not really a goodbye because obviously I don't think she can just say goodbye to him Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like it would have to be a moment where I don't know something like her tucking him in bed as like a little boy and like having her being emotional and him not knowing what's going on 
Mm-hmm. And then, like, the commotion in the palace as they realize, like, she's gone and no one can find her. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think, too, about the point of view from Andor, from within the city, like, even the people of the nation, like, finding out that the mm-hmm. daughter era is missing and how much uncertainty and instability it would have mm-hmm. for that nation yep. in general. Yeah. Because that is what happens, right? There's, like, a the war of succession. That's how more gay sends yeah. up on the throne. Like, mm-hmm. her walking away from this was devastating. Like, from all the way... Like, I mean, from her son to the peasants, this affected everyone. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was just shown from... If we got bits of the T-Grain story, we wouldn't have to necessarily show it from her point of view, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, man. I was just thinking it would be neat if we did it from, like, the maiden's point of view. Like, when they find her and they start training her and everything. Well, that could be a really cool, like, way to kind of, like, build on that flashback because we would Mm -hmm. do... Similar to, like, how they cut away from the T-Grain cold open and then they revisit it mm-hmm. later in the episode. Like, you could have a young Galad, like, seeing what's happening and then maybe night falls, the lights go up, people in the castle are running around looking for her, yeah. bells are ringing in the streets, yeah. and the people in the streets are like, what's going on? The daughter yeah. is missing or whatever. And, like, the whole... All of that kind of like commotion happening and then maybe the next episode have a flashback from the point of view of the Aiel and this young woman is just in rags, you know, sunburnt, dragging her feet through the sand, like, Uh you know, just falls into their lap half dead and, you know, then we can have like a training montage or something in another yes. episode. Just how cool would that be? But <laughs> I want it, that. Again, like how much time do they want to dedicate to Backstory. that story? Yeah. I feel like with T-Grain it's important. It is. Yeah. Yeah, High Lord Tatara said a Gitara flashback would yes. be great. That was my other We've one. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just on previous episodes. Yeah, but no, I'm fully on board with that too. I mean, it, we only get we only get talk guitar talked about in the main series. We get her for like what a chapter in New Spring, and then she's well, from from what I understand in the original episode one of the Wheel of Time, there was supposed to be. Guitar, the guitar flashback. Yeah. yeah. But think, it wasn't. I think I read that. I don't think it was her named. It was like a woman with white eyes who's like yeah. blind or something. And she's like, the dragon reborn is alive. We must kill him or something. And like that was that. And that got axed from the script if this is really the script. Right. <laughs> like, I, you know, like I never know how sure I am about stuff that I see online but it seems like that might have happened yeah yeah because her role is so small 
Like, I feel like the prophecy parts are, are really, like, important, but I don't know if, like, I would want the same kind of backstory information on her that I want for, like, Katsue or even Varen. Like, we get little mm-hmm. drops of, like, what their past involved, so yeah. it's, like, wetting your appetite for it. But with Guitara, I feel like she's important for that thing, and then you can just kind of, like, get the next thing going. Move on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's okay, but it's not... I just like all the prophecy things and the way that she's like the paint stick swirling all the colors together to make like the one thing happen that needs to happen. I was about to ask in chat, Hyler Tatora said, I'll not mute for Varen spoilers because I already know she's Black Aja and got spoiled. LOL. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. I was holding my tongue. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I was like, I was like ready to hop in and cut you off if you said anything. Okay, no, good. a, a Varen flashback would be amazing, right? Like her and Tomas, and how they ended up in the predicament that they are in. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is a very small thing. But why did she get kicked out of farm matting? That's exactly like, what I I'm was just very thinking. curious about. That that's always the thing that I'm like, how did that happen? What did she do? Right? Like, how how did she get kicked out of farm adding? What was it like for her as a, a female channeler to find out that she could channel living in a place like farm adding? Like, I, I just mm-hmm. can't. Like, the, the consequences. The same with Cat Swain. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. It's one of those things where I'm like, how did that happen? What did it feel like? What was the experience for Varen as a young woman? Like. I feel like they have to both have, like, a very strong kind of willful attitude to, like, mm. walk out of a place like Farmatting, being a channeler and being like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is me now. Suck it, Farmatting. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, I just, I don't know. What about Elida? Like, do oh. we, would we... I would love to see. I would love to see the delusions of Elida playing out in real time from beginning to end. Like Right. Like I wouldn't I wanna see her in a minor noble's house, like jealously dreaming of a better life and blah blah blah. I'll make it to the I'll make it to Andor one of these days. Just you wait, world. <laughs> wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I mean, what kind of, what were her parents like? Were they present? Oh, I bet were they, they were not awful. present. Yeah, like, I, I freak, like, I think of like two things. Her parents were really like, almost cruel, and didn't really give her any kind of attention or anything or love, and that's why she's just kind of the way that she is. Or they were the parents that were like, everything you do is wonderful. You can't go wrong. You're on your way to the top. Like, and that's why she's oh. just so full of herself all the time. Like, Elida always thinks she's right. Yeah, I, I picture her parents being like politically cutthroat, but also mildly unintelligent. Ooh. She's from like a lesser noble's house. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, do we remember what city 
She's from Lugard, right? I just remember it's one where there's... Sorry, so, uh, Hylord Tatara said, I so want a hall of servants flashback, everyone kneeling to the great Lord of the Dark. Ooh. Oh, yes. Yeah. That would be cool. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, also, like what we're saying about Elida can also go for Leandrin. I mean, Leandrin, though, was like peasant born more or less but they mm -hmm. both have like that hunger that thirst for what they what's like out of their reach like this level of power that they feel that they deserve in a way and like the world is holding them back from getting it and they're all, like come hell or high water they're going to find a way to be in power like, they both have that yeah, Elida is from Lugard. She's from Mirandi. So okay, okay. You're That's right. Yeah, what I thought. I was gonna say Mirandi. Dang, sometimes I'm right in my head. <laughs> <laughs> if we're gonna talk about like Hall of the Servants flashback, everyone kneeling to like the Great Lord of the Dark, that would be wild. In general, like any flashbacks of the Forsaken would be mm -hmm. really interesting. Yeah, was it like? Can you imagine Mogidian like <laughs> just like doing her thing as an in, like investment advisor and being like, this sucks, <laughs> you know? I hate my cubicle. <laughs> yeah. I hate my Age of Legends cubicle. Right? I wanted a window office. Damn it. <laughs> That's what the great Lord of the Dark offered her to get her to come over. <laughs> a room with a view. Exactly. The corner office. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He's like, you, oh, can, have, that's great. you can have all the windows. She was like, sign me up. I think the other Forsaken that would be fun to see would be Grendel. Because wasn't she like super like simplistic and didn't really like mm -hmm. yeah give into sensual pleasures in any way and then like totally flipped when she became one of the forsaken and i would love to see that it's like a weird the transformation yes it's like one of those stupid we took off her glasses and pulled down her hair and now she's gorgeous kind of things and i hate that but at the same time i really why want is it, it. and they, they always have the girl with curly hair, and then they're like, we straightened her hair, and now she's 10. It's and like, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, every, I was... every woman with curly hair in the world like <laughs> is just standing there like, what the fuck? Right. And then thinking, that's so much work. That's so much work. Don't do that. Uh, why would you destroy your curl pattern like that? I was admiring your gorgeous no. curls all day yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, you have the best curly hair. It's beautiful. So you know, sometimes, sometimes it wants to be nice and curly. Sometimes it just doesn't know what it's doing. Every day is a new day. I get it. That was the other thing that Grendel figured out how to do with the one power to make her transformation right. Complete. She Perfect has a hair curls every yeah. day. She has a hair perfecting weave. <laughs> Oh my god. I would want, I want one. That. I need that. Right? Mmm. Instant bath fill up weave. 
Ooh, yeah. Perfect that, water temperature weave. Yes. That's what Maureen knows how to do that. You can just think about the yeah. bath scene Lan. with her and Lan. Hello, Warmer. Lan. <laughs> it could be warmer. <laughs> Bossy. Gosh, Lan, jeez. That, <laughs> that scene was kind of actually a little bit cheesy. <laughs> 100% and I loved it. Yeah. They did like the they did like these subtle like chimes as like Moraine like spun her hand around. Mm-hmm. It was like Okay, something <laughs> magical is happening. I get it. It's the magic sound effect. <laughs> How else would you know the water's warmer if there wasn't right? a magic sound effect? I mean you couldn't give it steam or anything or just kind of take it from the way that she's moving her fingers through the water that something's happening but I mean give it a chime we'll get it then (laughs) well it was Uh, it was episode one I mean you never know true 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 I am coming at this with like close to three decades of reading the books so that's probably a little bit of a different interpretation when watching it and whatnot but there are also like just things that I don't want the show to do that like land other shows that follow fantasy and sci-fi into the cheesy category instead of the really good category. And I think that that scene was done well. I don't think that it was over the top, but I think like, like you said, you noticed it and it was kind of like, okay. (laughs) It was a little over the top, but I mean, I guess like if you want, if you're have no idea what the show is about, (gasps) they have to put in some clue for you. So you're not like, I don't get it. You right. know, so maybe, I understand why something like that would be then. Same. Maybe they were just kind of hoping that we'd all still be sitting there smiling about Land's backside entrance into the, the tub. <laughs> I've got to say, I appreciate, I couldn't see her here for five right, minutes after, after while, that. I was just rendered had, dumbfounded. Right. And then him just like chilling in the tub. Like, how am I supposed to pay attention to anything else after that? Thank you. My goodness. <laughs> Goodness. I, I do have to say that one of the things that I, I think I appreciate about that scene a lot is that it's Lan walking into the tub, not Moraine. Like, we don't see really anything of her body while she's in, in, the, in the tub. And that feels intentional, that it's not gratuitous female nudity, you know? And I liked that. Well, it was in that, that one interview before the series came out. Yeah. Daniel Henney had said something about, like, I got to be naked in this scene and I'm eating all this food in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And I think Rosamund Pike was quoted saying something about how, like, it'll be more equal in terms of, mm-hmm. like, this type of situation. Mm-hmm. Like, what we got with Lan. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think they did it well. I talked about the Forsaken, just like the Forsaken before they were Forsaken and maybe like what led them over to the other side. But if we're going like back that far, I would really like to see, and this is just like a guilty pleasure wish, like again, nothing that I think is incredibly important to the story. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking in terms of like the movies Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. we're going to go like all the way back to the Age of Legends... I really want to see the Nim. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I think that 
if we're talking about like movie budgets, something like that would be possible because I mean, that would have to be a very like heavily CGI yep. movie in general with like mm-hmm. flying vehicles mm-hmm. and lots of using the one power and mm-hmm. lots of innovation. So yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, like, but we've got to show like I don't want to say the oddities, but that's kind of what they are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's what makes that time period stand out. Yeah, they are like humanoid in one aspect, mm-hmm. but they're not humans Mm-mm. in the least. So, no. having these creatures would just be another one of those moments where people are like, okay, like if you saw the Ogier, you'd be like, whoa, what's this? And if mm-hmm. you saw the Nim, you'd be like, wait, like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it really, like, it rounds the corner and makes something, the Age of Legends, which feels Mm sci-fi, return back to fantasy, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yes. Ooh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Because if everything is, like, very Jetsons-esque, like, flying cars and and, like, techie and, and, like, whatever things that they have that like because don't they say something about like having wall screens that can make the interior of a place look like another place or something like that i mean to me it sounds like a giant tv and maybe that's what it is but i mean that's not something you would see in the westlands as it's seen in the main series so in like the age of legends that would be something that you would have to figure a way out to like portray I'm still kind of stuck on the whole fantasy versus sci-fi for the Age of Legends and how you would distinguish those things. I'm also thinking I hope that the Chora trees really are, like, drug trees. (laughs) (laughs) Like opium. Everyone is just very chill, very relaxed. It's why why it's considered a utopian place. Everybody's all drugged up all the time. On a scale of like sitting under a park bench <laughs> reading a book to straight up Robitussin. Right. Nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> like how relaxing were these trees? That's that's why that one guy like fell asleep under one of the great trees, really. It's like that one's extra dopey. You got you get knocked out for like a hundred years sleeping underneath that one. <laughs> I really want I really want to see one of the great trees too. Ooh, yes. I mean I have a question. Like, of yeah. of the legends that we know of for, like, the stories and stuff that Gleam and Tell and whatnot, is there a legend and or a hero you would want a flashback story for? Yeah. Um, the other week when we were talking about Tyr, I guess that was two weeks ago, but this false dragon Amalassan and his interactions with Arthur Hawkwing. I just think that would be really cool to see the turmoil between someone proclaiming himself the dragon, picking up a ton of followers and just shattering you know, everything once again, like new borders being drawn up, new nations being conquered, people picking up and choosing a side who they want to fight for. 
and then those Aes Sedai and the Stone of Tear, like, holding it down in this, like, wicked battle against channelers. Like, it just seems very epic, you mm-hmm. know, considering it's just a person that we barely know anything about. Mm-hmm. And two, like, give me one of these really big, high-budget mm-hmm. channeling army mm-hmm. wars. Like... like- ripping up cities and people kind of wars yeah yeah and in the same i mean and in the same aspect just using the one power to create and build Mm -hmm. like we are told like oh in the age of legends they use channeling with you know technology Mm -hmm. So if they're building these great, you know, Ogier built cities and it's Ogier and Chandler's working together like Tarvalin, mm-hmm. like how would that look visually as like bridges are going up and mm. like the tower is being mm. created? Like how did it all look? And I bet like that would just be stunning to watch this like beautiful puzzle going up Mm -hmm. together piece by piece with the one power it would just be beautiful but very very difficult Mm -hmm. so I love that that you called it a puzzle it's so appropriate and like I can kind of visualize that happening in my head but I still see Tarvalin more the way that I've always interpreted it through the books than the way that it's shown in the show like for me it's still like a like a larger grander more bridges more archways more decorative than what the first season gave us for Tarvalon it's not bad but it's just not like anywhere near in my head it's a mixture yeah yeah the the height Uh I mean I don't I can't Anymore, I can't picture Tarvalin as flat with, like, Mm -hmm. this giant, you know, massive tower that's going up. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I don't, I don't really see it that way anymore. I'm very much on board with, like, the kind of, like, more higher landscape, and then the tower is kind of, like, right on top of that. I, I'm not... I still don't see, like, the squat, more squat TV version of the tower. Like, it's really big mm-hmm. in my head, you know? But on the other side, like, I do see, like, way more bridges and way more structures. Mm-hmm. And it, like, sprawling out bigger. But I don't know. It's hard to kind of imagine it and unsee like what I've already seen on the TV show because now I have that like very strong mental image mm-hmm. and I like it. Like I think they did a good job. Yeah. I think that's one where they like didn't want to look like they were copying fan art and I feel like they should have made it look like they were copying fan art. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz there's I some really know, gorgeous fan art for Tarvalin. There is but uh, I don't know. I, I'm torn. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, if a building is made with the one power, like, does it need, does it does it apply to the same, like, real world physics and laws like right? when we're building buildings today? Yeah. Is it always going to be so strong that it doesn't need, like, weird extra support of, like, a wider base? 
Yeah, yeah. So I can see, like, why if they had done, like, the fantasy fan art version of it, you would probably have people being like, that's unrealistic. A building could never stand like that and not fall over. But then you would have all the nerds like us being like, well, with one power it can. (laughs) That's exactly what I sound like. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's more... I think it I think the way that they kind of dialed it back a little bit like it does look nice and realistic and Yeah. I think yeah. I did it. And it still has it fantasy look. elements. Yes. I the night scene that they they have is the best one in my opinion. Like Oh my gosh, that was so that pretty. One, that one's stunning. And that one Ugh. I can get behind, but I just feel like the first the thing that I liked about that was the mount, like dragon mount. Like the oh yeah, like that gave me looming uh, yes dangerously yes like that gave me a mental image that blew away anything that I had put together in my head for like location closeness to Tarval and like the city itself and whatnot and just like how it almost darkens Let's- the sun in a way oof. Yeah, and let's be honest, the White Tower is massive Mm -hmm. on the TV show. Mm -hmm. Like, it standing in contrast with Dragon Mount, like, this is a massive building. Yeah, Like, it it is is. huge. Mm -hmm. You could fit a city in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. which So, it is very grand. It's probably, I mean, that's a good thing, because if we get into the building itself, at some point we start seeing how empty like the novices' quarters are, and the accepted quarters are, and really how quiet right. it is. Like it would give it almost an eerie, cavernous feeling, and kind of so true. Yeah, it would so really true. lend to that whole like the tower is empty. Yeah, and not like it's a it's a shell. It's hiding behind these this like big grand facade and really Mm -hmm. it's housing this very disparate group of women who have a hard time getting along and that's Mm -hmm. terrible because they're like seen as string pullers and the factions and everything like from the exterior it's impressive it's grand it's an entire building and on the inside it's fractured and yeah. I almost like I feel I feel like bitey. Like they're always kind of snapping at each other without like fully coming out and doing it. Like I said our relationships are just weird. Just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Chill. I know, Chill. right? I'm sorry. Like I could feel my my chest starting to tighten up as I was talking about Aes Sedai stupidity. I don't know when I became such an Aes Sedai hater. <laughs> There's a t-shirt for that somewhere. <laughs> Hayden number one. That's me. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know, just so many of the structures and the architecture that I see in my head for certain places mm-hmm. is, it's always going to be there until I see it on screen 
Yeah. 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 Like Tear. Mm-hmm. I didn't really picture Tear as almost kind of like this. It almost looks tropical in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. Amazon where it's like slow river waters, you know, mm-hmm. and like wide and deep for the for the rivers and everything that like. Well, yeah, it's not like rapids or something. No, no. You know, like they've got kind of these little, I mean, baby swan is out on like a little. Yeah. Tiny boat. boat. Like if if this was (laughs) rapid rivers, I'm not sure she would have made it to the tower. But No. Well, and I'm thinking how that feeds into the whole like water and fish marine nautical if you will kind of theme that tear ends up having like they're connected by water it's it's just part of who they are but yeah i hadn't really seen it like quite as tropical it just looks hot you know what i mean even if it's it just looks like it with the linens like the stylist the style choices of Mm -hmm. the fabrics like lend to a warm environment yes yeah, it looks like something I would want to wear when I, like, go someplace really hot and humid, like when we go to Charleston or, like, so, like I've, I will never go to Florida again. Sorry to anyone who lives in Florida. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other structures. I mean, oh, well, and or, like. Well, I was going to say, if we're still talking about Tyr, I want to see the Stone of Tyr. Like, like close, the inside. Yeah, close, close up, up, the interior, like the rooms. I want to see those rooms inside the Stone of Tyr. They just sound I did, opulent. Well, especially like learning how it was made. Right. Like with channeling so that there's no seam between any bricks or stones. It's just Mm-mm. one. It's one big piece. Solid structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, like when you have like a solid structure like that, you have buildings that grow up around it and walls. I mean, we've talked about this before, like structures of cities, especially cities built around like a protective place like the Stone of Tear would be. And it sounds like mm-hmm. this, like the inner city part, like the city inside the walls, it talks about like the grand buildings being right next to like little tiny shops and whatnot. And so you have like this grandness toned down by something more practical, like a palace next to a bakery. I would be down for a flashback of Tear the stone of tear being formed, mm-hmm. and maybe like one of those like drifty flash forwards, if you will, of like the city growing up around it and the walls coming up, and then la la la, it's present day tear. You know, like this is what it looks like. Cause oh my gosh, to have the mall, like what that would look like, how that becomes what it is, that would be fun. All those little little and houses Tracy's- popping up, <laughs> Tracy's. Talking about not the mall, not, like not a the, shopping mall. No, 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 M A U L mall. Yeah, around <laughs> tier. 
that's I would love to see mm-hmm. that because as much as it's fun to see the costumes and whatnot and the buildings of things that are really grand, I really love the descriptions of the quote unquote common people, if you will. Jordan gives them a lot of flair and individuality, and I really like it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Like, we get some of our best characters, I think, from, like, those moments where they're in places like that. Like, the Rahad is pretty fun. Although mm-hmm. that that plays more as, like, a, like a place and less of a... I mean, I think we're pretty close to the palace a lot in that one. Ibu Dar is one of the places that I would love, 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 love to see. Love to see. When I read Ibu Dar, I thought Morocco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my head. Or maybe Egypt or something. Mm-hmm. Something kind of Persian. Like those. Yeah, with that. Like the dividing inspi- That inspiration. And, yeah. Yeah. I was just like. The city sounds so cool. But I don't want to – I think that's all I wanted to say for, like, things that I would want to see about, like, the creation of Tyr. Because it's a weird country. We talked about it. But the stone itself – I'm really curious to see if – you know how last season, season one, they end on the Shanshan. Like, that's the thing they introduce. Right, yeah. As the to be continued. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if Tear will be the to-be-continued of season two. I think it should be. I mean, it it kind of has to be introduced if they're going to uh-huh. go to Tear. But, I mean, they haven't really introduced the Aiel prophecy of them needing to, like, mm-hmm. be there and help take it mm-hmm. we so, have like no, we have no prophecies attaching the dragon there either at this point do we like in the show no no like calendar hasn't been mentioned i don't think i so don't remember hearing anything about it i feel like i would have noticed if they would have mentioned calendar yeah. i would have been like yes yes you know so i mean i could have forgotten we, had i had that reaction too let's be honest but i don't think that it was in the show would you be upset if the Aiel are introduced into Falma and <gasps> became, like, that's how they got introduced? Or would you rather say, like, the books? You're missing out on, like, the super scrunchy face I'm making right now. <laughs> 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 that's how I feel about that. No, I don't think that the Aiel should be put there at all. I think that they, like, I, I think I think the way that we get introduced is we get the Shanchen the heroes of the horn and then the next group of people that we get like an introduction to are going to be the Aiel and the people of Tyr. So I feel as though if we try to combine and push all of those things together, it's going to get too jumbled and it's going to be hard to pull apart later on. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I, I mean... Calendar is kind of necessary because, for reasons, I won't get too spoilery with it, but it's, it would be a strange choice not to include it, Mm -hmm. 
But if they didn't, I could understand why. Mm-hmm. If you know they're trying to like really streamline the timeline and whatnot, but I don't know what the Aiel are going to be doing in season two if they're a big part of the season. You know what I mean? Like it, it could just be a small like flashback scene of them being like the prophecy, the dragon. You know, that's, whatever. He's coming. It's time to go. Yep, that's what I'm but thinking. But if Avienda has been cast, like, is she going to be... Well, okay, so here's here's my thought on that. Meeting up with the girls or what? Well, if, we're, if we know that season two is going to be book two and parts of book three, maybe it will go all the way. Is there anything about parts of book four? I Do don't know, know okay. to be honest. So I don't I'm, think so, but... I'm going to speculate and just say this the way that I would probably do it, is that I would keep everything. FAMO would be mid-season pretty much as it happens. Like, I feel like all of the pieces that are in place there have been introduced in one way or another, and so... So we get like a... Get like so many months big... later scene. The yeah. girls are in the tower. They've been training for a while. Right. Rand is nobody knows. Yeah. Or he's already been found by Moraine and Lan. Yep. I mean. Well, and see, if you're going to go from like Falma, I feel as though, I mean, it's going to be really weird if they let Rand just walk off again by himself. They, that's how they ended season one. So they, so can they really end Falma with Rand just being like, all right, I'll hang out for a while and then I'm walking away again. Like, will that start to feel repetitive to a TV audience? Yeah, then there's no, yeah, then there's no growth. Like, what would be the point of him winning against, mm-hmm. you know, winning Falma or whatever and then, like, walking away again? It doesn't make logical sense. So. Yeah, I mean... They could change that so that in some way the party that's going to tear is all together. So it would be like Perrin, Moraine, Lan. Is Loyal with them? I think so. I think he is. And then they meet Fail on the road. Yeah, I feel like we're going to meet Fail this season. And, and... And Bill Doman is cast, so, like, it's very, I mean, possible that he's their ride out of Falma. Like, right. he takes everyone. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay, so what I wanted to say is, since we know we've got Avienda cast, and since I would love for, like, the season to somehow wrap up with, like, what happens in Tear. We can introduce Avienda among, like, the Aiel who are crossing the wall and have them be, like, this mysterious force throughout season two that we're learning about. And we know they're on their way and they are searching for something, but we don't necessarily know if they're coming after Rand because they want to follow like him that. or destroy him. So you would have, like, those scenes of the Aiel... And we would learn about Avienda and then we can introduce Avienda to the main group 
in the same way that the book does with her boot on Matt's neck. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I really love the – oh, my gosh. Now I'm just thinking, like, about Matt. Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Oh, gosh. This is so hard to string together. I love how Matt shows up in tear. Like, it's one of my favorite moments in the book. Absolutely. so lighthearted, like him and Tom together. It's the energy that I love and I live for in these books. And then the Aiel showing up and it's like, what the hell is going on? Who are these people? What? They're all leaping across the roofs. Tom's freaking out. We've got these ninjas doing (laughs) kickflips off of Stones of Tear and... That's how I picture it in my head, like hardcore parkour. Uh, yes, <laughs> same, actually, same. Like, and then Julian shows up and is like, I, I fucked up. I just, I super <laughs> fucked up and I feel real bad about it and I need to help you. And Matt's like, all right, I guess it's okay. Let's go blow something up. <laughs> I have fireworks and a tinderbox. Let's go blow something up. Tammuz, you great goat, you great buffoon. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Lord Tatara just wrote Tammuz. <laughs> yes, I love that. Oh, that's so funny. Because those fireworks are a gift from Aluja, right? Yeah, yeah. Ah! Those are from... I'm so dumb. Yes. I never put that together. <gasps> Aludra makes everything go boom for Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did I mention my three decades of not getting everything that's in these books all the time? <laughs> oh, I love that. I hadn't really even like thought about that and pulled that all through together. I have no idea how they're going to bring it all together. I know it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. than what I'm expecting. I know some people are going to be pissed about it. And I don't even care. I'm just like, right. I'm just along for the ride at this point. I am I think it's more fun trying to speculate and theorize how they're going to do it, though. Oh, I have a great time doing that. Like, my imagination just, like, runs wild. And I'm like, this is what I would do. And then I just want to mm-hmm. sit, I just want to go into the writer's room for the show and be like, I don't care what you're working on. We're doing my version now. <laughs> Amber, join me. We're doing this together. This is my Taking over. <laughs> I mean, seriously, we've come up with some really good ideas. Yeah, we are expanding on the fan fiction of the fan fiction. I love that. We are creating a fan fiction of the fan fiction. A podcast of fan fiction for fan fiction <laughs> for creating fan fiction. That was a lot of fan fiction talk. <laughs> Uh, okay, so hear me out. Please. Introducing the Aiel before the Stone of Tear, like, how, like, how much do you want them introduced? Like, do you want them to be kind of like, you don't really know who they are, like, or what they are? Like, as we first meet them, it's not going to be like, them saying we are the Aiel and the prophecy is happening and we need to go do the prophecy right. stuff. And then when they show up at the Stone of Tear, it's like, oh, it's the Aiel. I know their prophecy. I know what they're doing. 
Or do you want it to be like a mystery that's revealed after they take the stone? I want it to be a mystery after they take the stone of tear. I think it would add to like the suspense because, okay, so we know that a false dragon is a bad thing. And there are groups of people Mm -hmm. that will do anything to stop a false dragon. So it would make sense and add to like the questions of what if, if you introduce the Aeol as this deadly force on a mission, but not sure if it's like danger for Rand or if it's good for Rand. And I, it might be kind of cool, like at some point in the Stone of Tear, for them to like just all their drop their veils and acknowledge him in some way. I don't know. Like, I don't even remember how it unfolds for sure in the book. But I feel like showing close to the end of the series, like this acknowledgement from this deadly force that we've learned about, like if we could know how large the Aiel Nation is and how deadly they Mm -hmm. are and learn about them that way throughout the series. So we're like, oh my gosh, these guys, (laughs) they're terrifying. Well, it could also, yeah, it could also make it terrifying for the viewers. Yeah, like you're saying, if we're not exactly sure if they're good or bad and they show up on the Stone of Tear doing their kickflips and (laughs) (laughs) whatever, backflips, whatever they're doing. I don't know why in my head they... Are you I, doing like I want all karate that. kid moves, yes. like the spinning heel kicks, and like <laughs> that's what it's ridiculous. I see. Okay, Amber, stop. I mean, stop. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> he's like Jackie Channing it over every like stone. You know what I mean? Um, hey, Dad Swain's in chat. Hey, dog. Oh, welcome. <laughs> fun. Oh my gosh, I love that idea. But yeah, if they show up, like it could be kind of scary. It's like, what are these people doing? Matt's here. Like, yep. Should should is he in danger? Like, what's happening? Is he gonna be okay? Like, are they gonna let him go? Or are they gonna thr- mm-hmm. slit his throat? I was actually kind of thinking about the introduction that we get in the second book when. Uh, Varen is traveling and they're going after the, the horn and we've got Uno and um, Ingtar and that that whole crew and I yield Okay, the- so we're are are we switching gears here for No, I'm just talking about like the introduction of the IEL still, I guess. Like maybe I'm pulling it. Oh, back. okay, okay. I know what you're talking about in the Great Hunt where they Yeah. Like they're in the rocks. Yeah. Like in the rocks. Because we get like this, like that's a really good introduction of the IEL. Like if Borderlanders are on Ooh. edge because one IEL man has been seen, like yeah. how yes. fucking dangerous are they? I mean, think about that end mm-hmm. like in, in episode eight with the Borderlanders and they're like all charging and yelling and Agalmar gets like pinned to a wall like – these are tough motherfuckers. And one Aiel has them like. Tail between the legs, like. <laughs> or ready to fight. Like Masima like has to be called back, doesn't he? Like he was like about yeah. ready to dig tra- his He charges. Like, yes. He exactly. charges and Uno screams at him to stop. And 
Una threatens him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Aiel the whole time might as well be like just like picking at his nails with a knife or something for like all the reaction yeah. he gives. You know? Chewing like, on a toothpick, like picking his team. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do. you guys think you're tough? <laughs> I mean, that would be so cool because it doesn't really – we do get the whole like they're looking for – like the person who's supposed to fulfill their prophecy. And I think we get something about like they need to be at tier. So I think like that's kind of the setup that we get from the Aiel in the books as well. Like I don't necessarily know if we're given like a, I can't remember if they say that they'll follow him or like he'll break them apart or whatnot, but yeah, I it's feel a really like, great introduction. Yeah, yeah, it's done so well in the books. I really enjoy that part. Like, and I, I think that like where the show left off with season one, having that exposure to Borderland mentality. Because I mean, we've got Lord Aglemar, we've got Lady Amelisa, we've got like all of the everyone's <laughs> in Faldara who are like. Mm-hmm this city doesn't fall. So nations of badasses abound in this area. And then you have the Aiel show up and they're all like, ah! I'm like, ah! <laughs> Right? It's so good. I don't know if, you know, season two is going to be Aiel heavy. Like mm-hmm. it might just be like a smattering, like a little... Aiel action over here onto the side. I think that that's going to be how they do it because we're going to have so much of the rest of the series that involves the Aiel that if we just get like this little snippet towards the end of season two promising that like season three is going to be like even more epic, even more centered on the Aiel and what they do, what they represent, what Rand is going to have to go through. Like, I think that would well, be really think, good. I'm all I think excited there's going to be at least one. <laughs> I think there's going to be at least one big moment with Avienda because something that yes. Mr. Judkins had said. And, like, I don't remember the exact wording, but she's there and is doing something iconic, I think. Awesome. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what would be a, you know, cool moment for Avienda where she's being introduced. Mm-hmm. And I mean, oh, it could just be, like, oh. her regular introduction. Go ahead. Okay. So if I remember correctly, in book three, when we meet Avienda, it's because Egwene, Elaine, Nynaeve have come across her the black they're getting being chased aren't they well their their ship got stuck the girls are off the boat and now they're like finding their way still to tear and they come across the party with avienda and their wounded uh spear sister and nynaeve heals her nynaeve heals her and then they keep going they get captured the Aiel see this happen, go after them, and then they have the whole dance with me, Shadow Man. We're going to take out some Dance plates. with me, Shadow Man. Right? Like, if you introduced <laughs> Avienda taking down a, a Merdral, 
I think that'd be pretty iconic. Yeah. 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 But I'm just trying to figure out, like, what would this happen? Like, where? Yeah. After Falma. See? So that would be the best opportunity, I think. Yep. Do we just need to, like, write out what all of season two should look like? I feel (laughs) like we have... too long. (laughs) I'm like, I feel like we have all these really good snippets of ideas. Just, like, put them all together. Well, it's just tying everything together Uh where it's, like, the timeline is so wonky. It's really hard to kind of... Yep. And, I mean, it is a really long series. And if you, like, if if you're writing for the series, you haven't read the full series, you haven't really, like, taken in the full series... There is a very real possibility of like missing an important storyline early on in the books. So, I mean, I know things can be written and rewritten and it will change, but I feel as though like having this huge amount of work to use to create this is like both a blessing and a curse. True. Yeah. There are so many options. Before we move on to anything, I told Aiden mm-hmm. yesterday that mm-hmm. I would I would introduce a word from our sponsors, who are us, again, <laughs> so he can find it in the edit. Awesome. Momentary interruption, friends. Since we are not good at remembering to promote ourselves during the show, here's how you can keep the road to Tarvalin growing. First off, rate and review us wherever you listen to The Road to Tarvalin. This helps new listeners find the podcast. Listener support is available through Anchor. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month with amounts leading up to a generous $9.99 a month. Also, we have a new merch shop. Cozy Contorta was inspired by the books and characters we love, and it's not just Wheel of Time focused. Go check it out at Cozy Contorta on Instagram or find the link on our website via social media. Income means better equipment more content, and more opportunities to be able to grow our amazing community. We love you all and feel endlessly grateful to each of our listeners for joining us week after week on the road to Tarvalon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So now we can move on. Okay, now we can move on. <laughs> I, I do kind of want to talk about Lan for a little bit. Aw, why would why would you do that to me? I don't want to talk about Lan. I don't like him at all. <laughs> no, yay, let's do it. I'm well, excited. If we're talking about flashbacks, I feel like the fall of Malkir <laughs> is one of those things that You would have to do so much. You know what I mean? Like Well, depending on like if it doesn't even necessarily have to be the TV show. Like it could be something that they cover. Ooh, and like a little extras? Yeah, like <gasps> in the bonus content. If they did it like they did the fall of Manethrin, that would be really cool. It's just so it's such a deserving story. I can't it think really of a more is. deserving story for one of the, you know, main main ish characters. I'd say Lane Land's a pretty main character. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's one of those where it's like, there are dark friends, there are duels, there are battles, there's the fall of a nation, there's the advancement of the dark one, and it's 
gross missing decay through the blight. missing people right baby lamb getting smuggled out and like in a little i just pictured this adorable little baby like swaddled up all tight being wrapped to some trained killers back in a group of like shadowy men like rushing out into the night to get this baby to safety i'm getting goosebumps just talking about it dear god well i mean isn't it like 20 it's 20 soldiers who take lan to to protect him and save him away from malkier but only five survive isn't that how that happened um I don't remember the original number, but that sounds about right. Yeah. And then Bukama was like almost the replacement. The last living. Yeah. Yeah. Like his most respected trainer slash male figure slash father figure. Oh, Mm -hmm. Bukama. Mm. Yeah. If I got a flashback about Bukama, I would be so happy. Well, I remember when Agalmar was cast, we were like, is this Bukama? Is this right? Bukama? Is it him? <laughs> oh, it would have. Well, I mean, we were kind of hoping for that, like, Malkier flashback, Lan being trained, you know, to become the swordsman. He becomes the death embodiment that is always talked about, you know, like. I would I would love more about his backstory because it does I mean oh gosh you get to like the end and it's all golden crane talk and whatnot and people putting their hadoris back on and you're just like yes yeah right and that's like that's the thing about the my husband rides for his Harwin Gap moment like mm-hmm. if you ask almost anyone in the Wheel of Time fandom, like, what is a moment where it was just like, oh my god, that was one of the best written things I've ever read in my entire life. Like, that's it. Like, that is Mm -hmm. one of those lines that people just can't forget about. It It doesn't have the same meaning. Yeah, it doesn't have the same meaning if you don't know about the fall of Malkir. Like, Mm -hmm. it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. And, like, you want it to have that emotional impact. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. it's hollow. So, like, the fall of Malkir is so necessary to learn Lan's storyline, to understand Lan and Nynaeve's relationship, Mm -hmm. and how it affects the last battle, really. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was also thinking about how often Lan is either asked or, in some ways, almost requested forced to become the king of right for t- again yeah like mm-hmm. he's i think would, land does the golden crane fly land yeah. is it time yeah <laughs> like, like get off my back <laughs> he's he's a legend he knows all he has to do is raise his banner and he has an army and he chooses not to so i feel I feel like knowing that, finding that out throughout the series, the kind of person that he is, once he gets to that point, makes that decision, it's even more impactful because he's doing exactly what he didn't want to do, but he has to do it and he knows it. Yeah, that's one of the storylines I'm not okay with getting snipped out. Mm -hmm. I would just, 
be devastated, I think. And I like I've I have faith that that's something that is so important that people would like, you know, like if that if we get that same impact like we do in the books. Yep. I think that there's no question whether or not like the show will be deemed as a success. Like yeah. if you can if they make us feel that same way like when you read Nynaeve's words and mm-hmm. I I regret that we didn't get more information about Malkir in season one. I was really hoping we would get at least in some way everybody all traveling together and that story about Malkir, the fact that it kind of like broke up the way that it did. I I was a little disappointed, but I mean, at least it's been introduced, you know? Like, we have an idea that it's it's there, it has a level of importance, but I feel like it doesn't get the same kind of... Well, yeah, maybe season two, Lan and Moraine have to do their thing for mm. a while. I mean, I don't know. That's a good point. That's a good point. There's plenty of opportunities. Yeah. I just don't know if they're going to start season two in the Borderlands, though. I think they will have moved on. Yeah, I agree. Like, I can see this moving. It almost has to quickly to the directions that we need everybody in so that I mean, as much as I appreciate Robert Jordan and the way that he writes, there are a lot of things that he kind of overindulges for the details, but he's also absolutely brilliant at pulling together like a really quick, short description of what's happening that gets you completely on board and emotionally involved. And so I I think if they can do that enough and like somehow pull that all together for the front half of season two – they're going to have to like front end load it in a good location with a good catching storyline immediately. Like end of season one was okay. I really need episode one of season two to blow my mind. That's what I need. It's not a tall order. You know, it's totally reasonable request. <laughs> I have a feeling season two, like the since the Sean Chen have been introduced – we will get a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. We need a bad guy, mm-hmm. so well, we're and introduced, I think, for that reason. Yes. No, that's a really good point, and I think that actually... Like, we need an antagonist that's not the dark one. Yes, and we can have, like, if it ends up being Falma is mid-season two and the Shanchen kind of, like, back away... And then the Aiel start playing a more involved role. We're almost swapping out and reintroducing like another faction that needs to be paid attention to without being overburdened with having to worry about what the heck the Sean Chen are doing too. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I really hope that Faldara is more of a mid-season Climax mm-hmm. versus end of season climax, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Falma? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. Did I say Faldara? I think you did. But then I was like, <laughs> I maybe Falma. I just misheard you because I was thinking about Faldara. 
<laughs> well, I was just texting about Faldar in the chat, so it is totally <laughs> possible. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What else? Anything else? Hi, Lord Tatara says, I'm wondering how the show will do slurry voice acting on Sean Chen. Ooh. Me too. Right? But we did already have one Sean Chen lady commanding the Domine, and she sounded pretty normal. So. Yeah, maybe they won't use distinguishing accents. Like maybe everybody's just going to have that weird quasi. British accent. The standard, the fantasy. The, yeah, the fantasy standard accent. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's what the vocal coaches are going to start calling it if they don't already. Like, <laughs> it's a blanket statement. I was actually thinking about the question that I had asked you about, like, heroes coming back. Like, which story would you want, like, kind of represented in... Like oh. a flashback sequence. Sorry, I had actually written something down about it. And I was like, oh, I wrote that down. I would want to see Jane Farstrider. Oh, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Like. They would just have to take it back far enough uh-huh. that he doesn't look the same as, or she, I guess, in the show, if that's what we're talking about. But mm-hmm. they would have to look differently introduced in the flashback like much younger that way when it goes to them mm-hmm. present day we're mm-hmm. not like oh it's Jane Farstrider right mystery solved yes yeah I when I read the series I always put like Jane Farstrider way far in the past and didn't think about the fact that he might actually be or she as they've done for the show might actually be like a person who was still around and I thought mm-hmm. that was really fun. Like, instead of the hero coming because the horn was blown, he was already there kind of thing. He's just waiting. Yeah, yeah. just hanging out, being Jane Farstrider. Pseudonym, Jane Farstrider. But yeah, I think that... I mean, there there's so many of the heroes that have, like, very short backstories. I always just think that it's weird that Arthur Hawkwing is one of the heroes of the horn. I agree. But but if like the heroes of the horn are tied to the creator who is not necessarily like the good guy, but you know, for to put like such a philosophical topic aside for simplicity's sake, I'll say the good guy. Right. Uh the heroes are like working for them and Arthur Hawkwing was like strongly on the other side of like the Aes Sedai so it's just funny how like right well and I mean like then how he, we perceive things he comes back and he's fighting on. against the Shanchen who are his descendants who are doing the things that he wanted to have done and he's like I got your back I'm gonna ride into battle against uh my descendants, it's fine. It's my dream come true. Like, that one is weird to me. Is it because he yeah. has a cool sword? <laughs> I don't know. Is, is that what it is? <laughs> They're like, yeah. I follow uh, the guy with the coolest sword. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. No banner, no nothing. Bring that's justice all you along. And it's, that's, we're really here <laughs> for the sword. It's cool. I mean, we don't even know if he's a blade master. Is Arthur Hawkwing even a blade master? Maybe he's really a shit swordsman. We don't know. 
Why is he there? Okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, like, why is he considered a hero? Uh, yeah. He... So if you're asking, like, what, if we're doing flashbacks, what, you know, people we like to see, again, I'm going back to Arthur Hawkwing because mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know enough about the guy and it's mysterious and, you know, like, what was that conversation like that he had with Tuan at the end there? I mean, questionable. Do you think that the show, if they decide to do more of his backstory, would, like, really highlight the fact that it's supposed to be really similar to, like, Arthur of Camelot kind of thing? Like, I'm just trying to think of how they're going to portray him. Are they going to make him look heroish? Are they going to make him look... A like, standard medieval white guy. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm think I'm almost thinking of like uh like Roman Emperor-ish, just like marching across and taking everything down and being like, This is now mine, this is now mine, this is now mine. Like I mean you could pick several different centuries where people have like clobbered across land and decided that something was theirs. But like those are the that's like the image that I have. Maybe that's a flashback we can look forward to with, like, bonus content. Because if they're introducing the heroes of the horn, Mm -hmm. is it possible that we'll have some type of hero of the horn bonus content? Mm -hmm. Horn of Valir bonus content? I mean... I feel like, I mean, especially if they're going to... Like, I don't know how much of that information they're going to be able to introduce in the show before you would get to mid-season if mid-season is Falma. And at that point, you would need to understand the importance of the horn, the importance of the heroes, and what can happen when they've been called back. So I think the bonus content would be a really good place to put that. Plus, I really like the style that they've used. So do I. So do I. I've mm-hmm. loved all of the bonus content. Some of them, I mean, like, the greatest warder one, mm-hmm. I was like, Meh. okay. <laughs> that one scared me a little bit because I'm like, well, what if it, what if that means they're not going to show the Matt quarterstaff fight? Or I'm, is that, like, to prep us for That's what the I'm Matt hoping for. That's fight? what I was just going to say. But it. But if that's the case, like, doesn't it feel kind of, like, extra? I mean, to dedicate a whole bonus? You know what? I don't that? know. Because, I mean, it's not just... I think it gives you an extra layer to understanding the warders as well. And the role... Yeah, but the- we had that whole episode with Stefan and... Oh, that's true. Uh, Karina or Kareen or however they say it. I mean, they've... And we've got all of the extra, like, exposition between Lan and Moraine with Mm -hmm. Nynaeve being like, I'm about to heal her. I know about the water bond. Mm -hmm. Get ready because this is going to hurt. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like they've really driven that point Mm -hmm. home a lot. The fall of Minethrin, it talks about Queen Elisande and her warder husband and how, Mm -hmm. like, when the bond is broken, like, and he died, what happened? So, like, I don't know. Like, a lot of water focus going on. Well, okay. So, question. When we talk about, like, that bonus content, I don't I don't remember exactly. 
Are they like in a training yard for the tower talking about it? Is that how that one goes down? Or is it just like the retelling it's of the narrated, story? It's retelling a story. It's narrated by a man. Okay. Uh, what I was thinking of is like we're also going to get what happens with Swan being deposed and the split between the warders in the tower. So maybe like maybe it's another kind of prep situation. Maybe it's another one of those if you want to understand more for the history of the warders and blah, 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 this is a place where you have it guess i don't know that's what i'm thinking that's what i'm hoping for yeah definitely i just don't think that i don't know i don't know i guess like it makes sense to toss that in there but how many people really watch the bonus content besides the big time wheel of time book fans i mean i don't know so it seems kind of like an extra layer that wasn't necessary when they could have covered mm. something like the fall of Malkir. I'm being nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me for being nitpicky this early in the morning. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. I I feel the same way. I love I love the bonus content. I think that's one of the best things that Amazon did for the series. I feel like the main page like landing page that they have is a little much like I get confused looking at it and I kind of just shut it off and I'm like eh. but like the behind the scenes and like the the that drawn out sketched animation style just feels really good like a different mm-hmm. animation style would have made everything look kind of like cheesy like the way that you see certain scenes in your head and you're like it's cartoony and it's not great but like that rougher style makes it feel dramatic and like it's got some gravity to it and you want to like watch it it's not like happy la 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 cartoony land you know what I mean like I like that style yeah I think it's slick well I think yeah it it feels a little bit more mature maybe Ooh, yeah that's a good way of putting it very much so this is my grown-up cartoon (laughs) yeah okay should i ask chat anything that oh yeah any flashback scenes that you guys want to see before we end things up i'll give you guys a minute but i'll keep looking but i think i don't know as far as like like overreaching like large moments of the book series things that are just kind of important to me are not necessarily too important to the story right they're more like what are my (laughs) like those would be like make a wish scenarios exactly exactly I think that's why it's kind of fun to speculate about it out loud is because the possibility of it actually happening in the show minimal on some of them. Minimal. Yeah. <laughs> Very times, much so. Other times when we're talking about it, I'm like, I just don't see how else they could write it and have it make sense. You know? Like, in order to make sure that you don't completely alienate the book fandom, it's going to have to follow some of the main 
characteristics and trajectories of the series. That said, there's license for movement, you know? Yep. My top picks are Fall of Malkir, just because I think it's one of the most important flashback. Even if it's done spoken, like it is in the books. Uh Uh-huh. Like, if we get that, I guess that would work, too. Yeah. But being able to see it, I think, would really lend, like, more of that emotional impact. hmm I agree. And then, of course, like, I would love, love to know how the hell Varen ended up in her predicament. <laughs> like, was it a choice that went wrong, or was it her trying to cover for... Did she have a run-in with the Black Aja and she was just like, uh, yeah, I might be interested in your organization. Please don't kill me. You know, like, what? <laughs> How did it happen, really? I feel like it was a, a toss-up of that and her insatiable desire to learn all things weird and unusual. Like, this was, this was a research opportunity for her that, like, no one else had been given access to. I mean, yeah, sure, it saved her life and she had to do some really shitty shit, but I am I will almost guarantee that Varen as a character in the center of all of it is, like, furiously writing notes and, like, <laughs> making connections and, like, leaving trails to, like, somehow make things less bad. You know, like, I don't know. I'm a Varen fan, though. I am really drawn to her morbid curiosity because I'm so much the same way. Yeah, I think I think for that, though, like, it spoils her surprise if they were to, like, focus on that before, mm-hmm. you know. That happens. But, again, like, we know I how mean- things end up with her. So, like... I was gonna say, it could be done after the fact. Yeah. I was, you could do something similar to what was it that made you look at Varen and be like, I don't like you? Because I never had a moment when I was reading her that I felt anything like. Because she's a stage five clinger. <laughs> she knows... She knows the secret about Rand, and then she starts following him around like a creep when they're being chased by, like, Shadowspawn and Dark Friends at every corner. I'm like, there's something up with this woman. Mm-hmm. She's just, she's trying to get close to him, but nobody else knows what she's doing. Like, if she was working for swan or moraine or something but Mm -hmm. then there's a fact that when i first caught where she's like moraine sent me i was like oh that's a lie Mm -hmm. technically if you look really close at it it's not a lie Mm -hmm. because i've broken this down before but there's a pretty easy way to make that not a lie yeah and i just i don't think that like, you know, like, her story didn't add up to me, and I was looking for, I guess I was just kind of scared, you know? Like, I just, there was no trust. Mm-hmm. No trust. Mm-hmm. And, like, her whole, like, oh, like, I'm so forgetful, hee <laughs> like, that whole thing, like, it just didn't work for me. I didn't trust her. It felt like a scam. Oh, no, scam. there's ink scam on my artist. nose again. How silly Oh, how can I be so silly? Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, there's something uh, wrong with that woman. Yeah. I I just, I, I, I liked her. I, I felt like she was using that kind of, like, daydream persona as, like, a shield to make sure that she could think about the things that she wanted to think about. Like, if she looked like she was off in La La Land, people are going to be like, there's you're useless right now. <laughs> and she was probably yeah, but if like, people think like, you're, mm-hmm. if people think you're useless, they, why would they want you around? Like, well, I don't that's know. just Her. it. Is she so frequently pops up and is like, so this, this, and this, right? And the people that she's addressing are like, fuck, you were paying attention and nobody expects it from her. I love that. Yeah. But after the first time you do that, then everyone's like, they have to know mm-hmm. she's just playing dumb. Like, yes and no. I mean, like, especially with Maureen and Swan, they're all sworn to secrecy. So none of them can be like, hey, watch out for Vera, and she's not quite as, like, vacant as she seems without being like, this is what I know about her. You know what I mean? Like, who would out her without outing a secret about themselves? They could very easily do that because... Rand knows he's the Dragon Reborn. Mm-hmm. They know he's the Dragon Reborn. They're all in the same room together. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I think Cad Swain's storyline is really interesting because, mm-hmm. like, she, you know, as much as a jerk she is, <laughs> she's looking out for Rand because mm-hmm. I don't think she trusts anyone. Mm-mm. And then Varen, on the other hand, it's like, who's she working for? And yes. that's the scary part. And it's like... I don't know. I just, I did not like Varen. And too, like, she talks about, like, the terrible things that she's done. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. No, I, I, think, that. I think you're super intuitive on having picked up on that, you know? And I mean, maybe because I read her when I was so young, I saw, I didn't really pay too much attention to her. I was really wrapped up in the other characters, and Varen really didn't hit me as, like, a character I wanted to pay attention to until I read it and I was older. Um, But even then, I was like, oh, did not see that coming. Did not see that coming. Like, figured there was something shady, but thought she had her own reasons. Didn't think that they were the reasons that they were. Yep. Yeah. But I love a good surprise. I ended up at the same conclusion as you. I was like, oh, that's not what I thought. But <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's her. I mean, I she think had it- us both fooled, Tracy. That's why I don't like her. I don't like people you can't trust. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing that she ends the way she does. Because at that, that point, she's like, I've blown Baron, it. go back to your sus nook, okay? Right? Like, I've had enough. She, and she'll be like, fine. You're I've scaring got, me. I've got stacks of books and an owl. <laughs> I'm good. Living the life. Right? Oh, my God. All right. I would love let's, that. Let's, fra- let's wrap it up. It's getting to be pretty long, and I don't want Aiden to have to go through A any really long edit. extra. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And everybody in chat, like, thanks Thank for you. hopping in and out and staying with us this time it was really fun having you guys here we'll do this more often i mean we could probably do this again before i mean we could start making this more of a regular thing for um patrons absolutely that's a great idea you know if people are 
awake at this mm-hmm. hour. It's really hard for us to do something like this mm-hmm. and kind of work with our patrons because our time zones are so different. But yeah. yeah, let us know if it's something that you would like us to do. And I think we can start making that happen. Yeah, I mean, really, even if it's just like us and a couple other people, that's fun. I like I like our our people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, like everyone who rates us and mm. leaves us feedback everywhere, like thank you and you're the best. And our patrons, thank you guys too. So one hundred and ten percent agree. One hundred and ten percent. I know. And we will see you next week on the road to Starballin. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.